Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bridgewater, Keenum, Cousins, you might be sick of hearing about the Vikings quarterback situation, but we're still talking about it. Let's keep beating it into the ground with some more reckless speculation. All right. Here is your mission here. Uh Uh-huh. How many quarterbacks right now in the NFL are definitively better than Kirk Cousins. So what it, what what are the Vikings signing up for if they were to put a bunch of money on the table and bring Kirk Cousins in? Are they getting the fifth best guy, the 15th best guy? How many quarterbacks do you think are definitively better? I will start off by saying that this I thought that this would be a pretty easy assignment and it ended up being incredibly difficult for me. I broke quarterbacks up into four categories. Okay. And I and, and I'm going to end up with two categories of quarterbacks that I would take before cousins. Ooh, okay. Uh but there was th- the first one is simple. The second one got difficult. Automatically better than Kirk Cousins. So I take them without any question or hesitations. Six quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, and number six on my list is Carson Wentz. Okay. QBs I would take before Cousins. And this is where I had to start. I, I actually had this list at like six or seven, and I it came down to four the more I, I looked at Cousins' background statistics and also the stats of the, the quarterbacks who were originally on this list. Jared Goff, Andrew Luck when healthy. And now, truth be told, Luck, when healthy, probably bumps up to the first category, but it's been so long since his shoulder has been sound that I'm putting him in the just the QBs I would take, and not the automatic bin. Jared Goff, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford. Okay. Those are the 10. Now, now I've got a list of five quarterbacks who I consider the jury to be out on to a certain degree, but I would not automatically take this list above Cousins. And that's the young group of Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, Mariota, Jimmy G. But yeah. so, so I've got so just to be clear, I've got the first ten names I read are quarterbacks I would take before Cousins. Okay, so I have nine. So you and I are very close on this. Okay. I have nine, and it's uh, I have three groups of quarterbacks, and I put Cousins in the second group. You and I just have slightly different groupings. I think there are nine guys definitively better than Cousins, and they're either MVP or Hall of Fame caliber guys. So they're, they've either won an MVP or they should have, or they're going to the Hall of Fame or some combination of both. And four of these guys, four of the nine, are either close to 40 or over the age of 40. They're all 36 or older. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady, who's 41. Drew Brees, who's I think going to be 39. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, Brady will be 41. These are what they will be next season. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger will be 36. Russell Wilson, I put Philip Rivers because I love Philip Rivers and it's just a it's a disease of mine. But he's incredible. He throws a lot of interceptions, but I think it's mostly because his roster has been crappy and he's had bad coaches. If you were to put Philip Rivers with Bill Belichick or you know some other even Mike McCarthy or somebody, I think I think the story might be a little bit different for him. He's 37, though, next year. Right. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and healthy Andrew Luck are my nine. Mm-hmm. Then there's that second bin of maybe 10 to 11 quarterbacks that Kirk Cousins is in. And I wouldn't say that any of these guys are definitively better, but you could make a case for some of them. And, and I don't know if he's number one on this second grouping or number five. That's where it gets hard. So these are all guys who can carry a team for stretches, but not to the degree that an Aaron Rodgers carries a You'd team for a decade. To take them, yes. Yep. But they all have some question marks, too. So Kirk Cousins is in that bin. Alex Smith is in that bin. Deshaun Watson, who was incredible for like a month and a half last year, but got hurt. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, Eli Manning, who is in the twilight now. Cam Newton, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Andy Dalton. And then the next group is everybody else, basically. So it's guys who probably aren't going to carry you, but you could get some good play out of them. Case Keenum is in that group for me that... And people are going to say, wait a second, Case Keenum had a great season. He did. I don't think he has enough of a track record to say that he can carry a team. Yeah, and that's what concerns you. Yep, Nick Foles. But that young group, that young group. if if you came to me right now and and offered me Prescott, Watson, Carr, that group, I would probably take them in, in a heartbeat. But that doesn't mean that, they, yeah. that they're not going to start to fall flat. But they're like 24. No, right, but there's no guarantee there. Yep. Like there's, there's, there's a year or so of really good play. Or in Garoppolo's case, a few games, but you don't have enough to say absolutely mm-hmm. positively this quarterback's going to be successful for ten years. So, as part of this experiment, if we think that Tom, if if, it's, if we're talking a four to five year commitment from age thirty through like thirty four, thirty five for Kirk Cousins, so the the second part of his prime, by the end of that contract, Brady will be out of the league, Breeze will be out of the league, Roethlisberger gone, Philip Rivers gone. Um, I think Rodgers is probably still in the league, but let's say four. So I've got nine who are definitively better, and four might be out of the league within two or three years. And and Aaron's pushing 40 by that yeah. time, right? But could Goff jump up? Could Deshaun Watson oh, sure. jump yeah. up? I think you're pretty solidly getting the 10th or 12th best quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's but incredibly But paying fair. for the best quarterback in the NFL. The cap does still go up. You're just going to have that's just, that's just what happens. But I would never but I would never put Keenum on, on that that list and say that, that I think he's he's going to pop up. If, if you ask me right now, do I think that there's a better chance that Case Keenum is going to now at near the age of 30 join that group of quarterbacks or go back to being who he was? I take number 2. And that's why that's why Cousins intrigues me far more because I think Cousins has shown enough consistently, and, and there have been some bumps in the road for him, but I think he's shown enough consistently where I'm much more likely to trust what I've seen from him, where in Keenum's case it's one year. And so if you're to ask me, well, do you think now he's turned a corner or he just had a really good year, I'm going with I think he had a really good year. You like that? You like that? Reckless speculation. 651-646-8255. Hey, Tom. Hey, guys. Hello. What's going on, man? This is a great question. I have too much time on my hands. I'm between jobs right now. So I, I made this list last night. I, I'm i almost exactly with you, Mackie. I, I have Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Wilson, Big Ben, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, and I think Cam Newton, and here's why. I think if Cam Newton 
was an unrestricted free agent this year, I think you wouldn't even be hearing as much about Cousins. I, I just think his potential on a good team, if you put Cam Newton on the Vikings roster, I think it'd be phenomenal, and you'd have just as good of a chance to win a bowl as with Cousins. Yeah. And I and I disagree. On, like I'm not a Cam Newton guy. I think he. I don't think he's very accurate. And I think there's like bizarre things about his leadership that are are accurate. But I'm not going to fight you too much. I'm not going to fight you too much. I struggled with Cam, big time. Because Cam, list. like Cam at his I struggled. I mean, Cam at his best. Tom won an MVP and led a 15 and yeah. one team to the Super Bowl. But at his worst, the guy comp- like in 2016, the guy completed 52 percent of his passes. And and yes, he runs True. the ball and that's great. But he had one of the worst pass ratings in the NFL, and he's. So he's such a Jekyll and Hyde guy. He is, but do you see Cam with Thielen, Diggs, and Rudolph, Delvin Cook in the backfield, and the threat of Cam running on any play? Defenses would lose their minds yeah. trying to scheme for that. In my opinion, I'd still rather have Cousins. I'm just saying if Cam were on the open market, no, I agree. it'd be a huge deal in the NFL. That, that's all I got, guys. Thank you. Great topic. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. That one, in fact, I had, until about an hour ago, I, I had Cam on my second list. But the problem with Cam that I always run into is there's times that he looks fantastic and he looks great and and, and you're sold. But then there's the antics at times and you're like, okay, is that what you want in a quarterback? And it might be. You you might not care. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think Tom's right. I think if Cam Cam Newton hit the market right now, it would be a ridiculous payday. Well, the other thing on Cam, too, if let's say he did hit the open market and he's a little younger, he's like 29, I think he's a year younger than Kirk Cousins. I do not trust him if if it's if you just isolate what does he look like as a passer it's pretty rare to find quarterbacks who are below 60% completions that remain starters in today's NFL it's just for for top quarterbacks they're sitting around 65 even close to 70% completions bridgewater was like 65% completions uh kirk cousins was i believe 68% led the NFL a couple of years ago bradford over 70% if you get to the point with a Cam Newton, once he hits 30, 31, 32 years old, where maybe he's not able to run for five yards a carry and for 700 yards anymore, right. and you and you take away, or he just takes a hit that renders, he, he blows an ACL because he puts himself out there an, an extra 100 to 150 times a year as a runner that other quarterbacks don't, mm-hmm. that's going to catch up at some point, and then you're going to have to lean on him in the pocket, and I don't trust that. The thing with Cam, I think, is he, he would fall under my premise of uh, teams that are convinced that they can fix a player. I think you'd have a lot of I think you'd have a lot of offensive coordinators and coaches saying if I had Cam it, it would be different mm-hmm. I'd fix him. So he he was but he, he was the last guy that, that I I knocked off my list because that's a tough one because when you look at Cam's raw ability and what he can do it's it's tempting. So of the guys in that second grouping I'm calling it the second grouping you have a bit of a different uh, twist on it. So once I, I have nine guys who are definitively better in my mind, including healthy Andrew Luck, than than Kirk Cousins. Yep. And four of them are close to retirement. In the next bin that I put Cousins in with Alex Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson, in that group, the guys I think are most likely to wind up being better than Kirk Cousins, I really like Jimmy Garoppolo. Deshaun Watson is so hard to ignore what he did in a limited two-month stretch with Houston. Yeah, it's all small. I mean, he was so good, and yes. he's young, and I'd have to put him on that on that list, too. Yep. Matt Stafford puts up gaudy numbers. I, I, kind of the same bin for me. He's put up gaudy numbers on mostly mediocre teams. Derek Carr took a step back. Jared Goff was impressive in a great system with a lot of great weapons and great offensive line and 
uh, coordinator. But that's that's the grouping that Kirk Cousins is in. Yeah, above average. That's probably fair. With potential to get into the top ten solidly. Because my my second group was Goff, Luck, Ryan Stafford. Yeah, but all of those guys can take steps back too. I mean, Ryan two years ago was an MVP. And then he lost his OC, and he was still good, but he certainly was not great. Goff had had a really bad first year under a terrible head coach and, and then got Cousins OC as his head coach and was fantastic. So the only the only group that I'm pretty much sure of is Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Wentz, and Wilson. Yep. That's the only group where I would say there is no question about it. I will take any one of those in a second, and I don't care. Speculation. So Derek Wetmore is in Fort Myers. Let's talk some twins when we come back. Miguel Sano and Joe Maurer will make their spring debuts. Jake Odorizzi will debut on Friday here in a couple days. And Wetmore sent us a note. Apparently he has a bold opinion about the twins and their bats this season. So we'll talk about that and more with Derek from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd now continue. This one's better than a kick in the jaw. On 1500 ESPN. Ah, yes. Springtime. Let's talk some baseball here with Derek Wetmore, 1500ESPN.com, and the Touch Em All podcast. And we're just going through. So you sent us an email of uh, of topics today. We appreciate that. And I get to the fourth bullet point here, Derek. I'm going to let you just take this. You have a bold proclamation <laughs> yes. about the Twins offense. Hot take. Hot take. Yes. Um... So I was going through the numbers the other day, boys, and if you include some of the breakouts, like if you think Byron Buxton has really arrived and you think Eddie Rosario is really one of the better hitters in the American League as he was for the final couple months of the season, and you think Jorge Polanco and you believe in Logan Morrison's breakout, I think you could legitimately be looking at one of the best offenses in all of baseball right now. Ooh, that's a bold that's a bold hot take, Derek Wetmore. Bold, but I'm backing it up with numbers. Yeah. I think hot that, take uh, police are gonna let you slide on this one, I think. I think you wow. might be onto something. <laughs> I've had pretty good luck with that this spring. Yeah. This is awesome. I think that if you buy into the fact that Logan Morrison uh, not so much changes swing, but changed his approach at the plate, changed his mentality to go from a fourteen homer hitter to thirty eight home runs last year. Um, I'm not buying all the way into that, but I think there's some very legitimate and real changes that led to that. Um, I think Byron Buxton has really arrived. I think Eddie Rosario has made very tangible steps forward. And I think Miguel Sano could play uh, close to a full season this year, which ought to help the lineup. So it's Don't uh, press it's, your luck there, Webbar. Uh, well, I know. It's, and it's going out there a little bit. And of course... Of course, spring training is the time where you say, well, what if this goes right, and this goes right, and this goes right? Yeah. It never works that way in baseball or in any sport. But, um, you know, if guys hit what they are capable of hitting or what they showed they could last year, yeah, I don't see any reason why the Twins wouldn't be in that conversation with the Astros, with the Yankees, and teams like that. Derek, what are you um, offensively most skeptical about? What do you think that you saw last year that might regress a bit in 2018? Probably, there's a, there's a couple of guys that jump to my mind right when you say that. Joe Maurer's on the list for me, not because I, I don't think he's a good hitter anymore, but at 34, you wonder, can he put up the same kind of year he did last year? Joe Maurer was quietly great for the Twins last year in terms of getting on base and all that stuff. Um, so he's on my list just to, you know as he continues to age, and we've seen bad seasons from him in the recent past. Um, 
Jorge Polanco, I sort of question because he was one of the best hitters in the game after the All-Star break last year. But before the All-Star break, he was one of the worst hitters in the game. Which of those guys shows up this spring? Um, so those are the those are probably the top two guys that are on my list. And I've got circled in red pen on my lineup card, Max Kepler. Because I want to know if Max Kepler is going to take the next step forward that we've all been projecting for a couple of years. Or if he's just going to be this guy who can hit righties and do fine and then gets benched against good left-handed pitching. If, if that's the way that it goes, then he's not quite the player that we thought he was going to be. But I'm not exactly ready to sell out on Max Kepler yet because I, I still think he could take that next step, Judd. Yeah. Yeah, he's man. He's such an he has, he he's such a sweet swing. He's very good against righties, and I, it is nice to know that he's working with Justin Morneau because Morneau had some struggles not only defensively early in his career that he cleaned up, but I don't think he was very good against lefties. And then and then later in his career, yeah. uh, he fixed that problem too. So Wetmore's out in Fort Myers. He's covering the Twins for fifteenhardyspn.com. The Touch 'Em All podcast has a ton of great stuff on it on a mostly a daily basis when you include the radio stuff we're putting on it. Uh, Miguel Sano and Joe Maurer making their spring debuts. Well, let's start with Joe Maurer. His contract is expiring after the season. He's going to be 35 years old, I believe, now in uh, the first month of the year. Mm-hmm. Where do things stand with him? Is he sort of is he okay going into the last year of his contract? Are the are the Twins looking to maybe bring him back on a cheaper deal? Are both sides going to let it ride throughout the year? What, what's your read on that situation? Yeah, I talked to Joe earlier this spring, and I got to say. I half expected it to be a, a sort of a reflective conversation on, well, this is these are all the things you've done in your career, and here's where you are on Twins leaderboards and stuff like that. And I got to be honest with you guys, if Maurer has spent time talking with his family about retirement, it is not obvious in talking with him. He he's not a guy who gets, and he said this himself. He's not a guy who gets too far in front of himself, and I actually believe that to be true. Whereas some guys say it, they're like. No, I'm going to take it one day at a time and just, no, 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 no. You're thinking about free agency. You're thinking about your next contract or whatever. Joe Maurer might be one of the rare individuals where that's true. He's not thinking about Thursday today. He is uh, going to get up, put his socks on, and try to play baseball. I, I don't think that retirement is in the thought process for Maurer. Now, manager Paul Molitor told us earlier this spring that he doesn't think it's the right time to answer the question about will Joe be back, but he did say that he has a gut feel that Maurer will be a lifelong twin. So I wrote that story, and I think that's just interesting perspective from a guy like Molitor who who came up through the Brewers organization and probably expected to be a lifelong Brewer yeah. until he wasn't. And so there's a lot of factors in play, but if I had to put money on it, guys, I'd say the Twins for an office is going to let it ride into the season, see how Maurer performs this year. If they need a first baseman next year and Maurer performs well, absolutely they would entertain the idea of him coming back. But keep in mind, Logan Morrison's deal has a vesting option for 2019 that should be pretty affordable. If if, uh, Maurer doesn't perform very well in this season and Morrison's just a cheaper alternative who can hit bombs... uh, Boy, I don't think it's written in ink that Maurer will be back with the Twins next year. It's, compared to Maurer, Logan Morrison's kind of a hack at first base defensively, I yes. believe. Like, yes. I mean, Maurer's the best in baseball now, but yeah. Don't, I, don't you guys think, though, I, I think the Maurer storyline, um, which I'm sure will, will be talked about and written about a lot uh, in the coming months, I think it's going to be a big deal to us, and it might be a big deal to some fans. 
But I think from the Maurer standpoint and the Twins, it's not going to be a big deal because this 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 baseball operations department, uh, while I'm sure they appreciate what Joe has meant to the franchise, is not tied to Joe. Right. And I could very well see a storyline where he has a nice year and that's it because it's you know mm-hmm. because Terry would have Terry I think would have felt obligated to bring Joe back. I think Derek and Thad very well might say, Joe, it's been fantastic. Um, We'll offer you a one-year contract at a very reasonable rate. Mm -hmm. But if you can go get more, more power to you. Go get more. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure what the analytics say about sentimentality. But I don't think that it's going to factor. It can be too damned. That's what they say, Derek yeah, Wetmore. Yes, exactly right. They're cold calculating robots, and I've, I certainly don't expect him to get some sort of, uh, you know, lifetime achievement contract. I don't think that's the way these guys operate. Um, I do think Maurer's one of the greatest twins of all time, and that should be appreciated. And uh, he'll definitely get his day. Um, but you know, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with that. I just. I wonder what Maurer is thinking in his heart of hearts. I wonder if he worries about it at all or or if he's just going to get to the end of the season and he assumes that it's a done deal, that if he plays well, he's back. I, I think that's kind of how Molitor characterized his ending with the Brewers. He never really expected it to get to a point where he'd have to leave. And then he had to leave. It just it comes up on you quickly. You, you almost don't get the time. Like a player who's retiring gets to soak it all in all year, like Derek Jeter going on his goodbye tour. But if you are just a stalwart in the organization and then you're here one day and you're gone the next, you don't really have that same reflective tour. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it's going to play out. I think Maurer's going to continue to climb up the Twins' record books, and then at the end of the season, we'll see where the chips fall. You know what? Let's mix in a uh, a listener question here from Twitter. Fluxus. Got to be careful saying that on the radio. Yes. F-L-U-X. Uh, he asks, Derek, what will be the greatest strength this year for the Twins in your mind? Probably, I mean, offensively, you just said it at the top of the interview. If they all stay healthy and Miguel Sano is in the lineup all year and Buxton takes a step forward, I, I'm kind of with you offensively. Is that the answer? Yeah, it's pretty easy for me that the Twins' offense is going to be what drives this thing, and then they're hoping that they have enough pitching depth to get through it. They fortified the bullpen, so it's it's really more of like, the offense dragging the pitchers along, but unlike last year, the pitching staff might be good enough to be dragged along, to be kind of in that conversation for a 90-win team this year. So the pitching is better. I think the starting pitching and the bullpen, both better, but the real strength of this team, when uh, the national media starts talking about them in August, is going to be that they're up there and run scored with the best teams in baseball. Uh, Derek, is Nick Gordon slowly but surely being moved to second base? I saw that that he's uh, playing there more and more, and he didn't play there much last year. But that transition makes sense. So is is, is this a situation where they're uh, setting him up to potentially move him to second base far more this season to gear up for, for the future, which might include, of course, no Dozier at second if he yeah. uh, walks away? I was going to say, it's tough to say because you don't know what's going to happen with Dozier. If I mean, if you extend him this spring or if he's a free agent and you bring him back next winter, well, there's no opening at second base. But if the Twins have to consider life after Dozier and he goes somewhere else and signs a rich deal, well, now you got to figure out Gordon... Um, Polanco, which one of those is a better shortstop, and is that your double play tandem? Uh, I personally, Judd, I think that uh, we've heard enough um, from from people within the Twins organization and outside questioning the ability to play shortstop for each of those guys that maybe both of them would be best suited for second base. But somebody's got to play shortstop, 
And uh, I still think it's an open question which one of them will do it better. Um, just a quick side note, Gordon strained his wrist yesterday. He's probably going to miss a couple of days here. Um, but he's held his own. He's he's in big league camp this year, and I think you could see him this summer at Target Field if things break right. But honestly, I can't even answer that question until we know what's going to happen with Dozier. So here's my, my, my only beef, or I guess my general beef with Nick Gordon. I... I think he's going to be a major leaguer. Um, I mean, there's always a chance that things go wrong if he goes back to double-A or triple-A, but I I think if you're performing at a competent level at age 21 at double-A, then you're going to play in the major leagues and you're going to contribute on some level. I don't think he's going to be a star player, and I wouldn't be afraid if I were the Twins of including him as a centerpiece for an established pitcher in a trade because once you get to double-A, usually your star attribute shines to some degree. If you're Miguel Sano, you've already hit a bunch of home runs in double-A. If you're Dustin Pedroia, you're walking more than you're striking out, and you're showing that at double-A. Uh, D. Gordon, Nick's brother, was stealing 75 bases. So like, mm-hmm. a star attribute shines. I don't know what that star attribute is for Nick Gordon. He's not a supremely high batting average guy. He doesn't get on base at a super high clip. He strikes out quite a bit. He doesn't have a ton of power, although he can hit to the gaps, and he doesn't steal a ton of bases, and he might not be a shortstop. So, <laughs> am I? Mis- am, I mean, I'm not trying to trash him. I think he's a major yeah. leaguer at some yeah, point, sure but, but like, what, sell me on him being a potential star player. I don't really see it. Yes, counterpoint is that there isn't anything that he can't do. I mean, he's not a 40 homer hitter. He's not going to steal 50 bags. He's not going to hit 360, but he does everything kind of well. And to me, I look at prospects in two different bins. There's the bin. Like uh, the Twins have a a pitcher in A-ball, Gratterall, who lights up radar guns and has swing and miss stuff, but he's in A-ball, and and he's like this high-ceiling lottery ticket. He might never make it to the big leagues, or he might be an ace. That's one kind of prospect. That's the one I think people get most excited about. You see what he could potentially be if things go well for him. The other bin of prospects, Phil, is the riskless players the guys who you're like yeah i'm pretty sure he's going to be a big leaguer i'm pretty sure for the first six seasons that we have him under team control he's going to be a solid contributor and there aren't very many prospects like that in baseball for my money anyways to me nick gordon is one of those guys where you're like feeling pretty confident that he could surface in the big leagues this year he could play second base he could maybe play shortstop he's going to hit okay he can run enough um, I, it's it's not the sort of sexy kind of prospect that you talk about with like high risk, high reward guys. But Gordon is in the other camp for me, where I think it's relatively low risk. If some team picks him up in a trade, they can be pretty sure he's going to get to the big leagues and hold his own. Yeah, Derek Wetmore, great stuff. Go check out all of his content at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. And you know what, baseball season's here. If you count spring training, regular season in uh, less than a month now. So go subscribe to our Touch Em All podcast. Thank you, Derek. See you, Wetmore. Thanks, guys. Bye. You can hear him. He's at Hammond Stadium. He's sitting up tell. there. Yep. Him and Patrick, the odd couple, shacking Is up together. Is he still at Patrick's place? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know the he was there time. that Yeah, long. I think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, who's going crazier? Probably Pat, actually. I don't think Derek really minds. I think I think it's probably... I think Pat gets annoyed by Derek eating carrots and... and uh, Like, Derek's... Kind of a quirky guy. Not that Pat's not, but I, I think was Pat say, probably there's gets a couple more of quirky guys in very different quirky ways. <laughs> like Derek doesn't put dressing on his salads. Pat would think that's weird that he even eats salads, period, let alone without a gallon really? of Really? No, there's dressing. no dressing he likes? I think he just prefers to eat salads organically. I don't know. All right, okay.
Oh. Dave, what kind of <laughs> salad dressing do you like? What kind of stuff's coming up oh, next? Blue cheese. Uh, a nice little vinaigrette is always mm. wonderful. That's a, a light choice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, something to keep that waistline trim. Uh, we'll talk about the potential of athletes boycotting. We'll find out which one of you is sports smarter. And, oh, do we have trouble with the in-laws already? Mackie and Judd are back. Lights, camera. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Walgreens. Switch your Medicare Part D prescriptions to Walgreens and start saving today with co-pays as low as $0 on select plans with Tier 1 Generics. Walgreens trusted since 1901. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. And the man who plays that stuff on a daily basis, David Harrigan. Yeah, let's start with a round of applause for the man that just could not give it up. The brand new senior offensive consultant of your Chicago Bears, wow. Mr. Brad Childress. Huh? Way to go, Brad. How about that retirement? Uh, Will we go two uh, weeks on that? Yeah, uh, thank yeah. you. Uh, I got uh, pushed just, out uh, by Andy uh, Reid. Uh, uh, now I got a new job. Uh, talk about uh, the backup fullback. Uh, a man who grew up a Chicago Bears fan is now working for the Chicago Bears. Aurora, Illinois, I believe, was the correct. hometown. Correct. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I know my chili. You're good. That's pretty awesome. I'm glad. I'm, he's too young to retire. You know what? There's Brad Childress has another head coaching run in him at some point, and I think this is uh, the road to that path. The road to that path. That doesn't make sense, but you get what I'm saying. You almost nailed it there. Yeah. Bring back Tahi. That's what I say. Bring back Tahi. Mm-hmm. Put Tahi in the Bears' backfield. About four months ago, we were in the midst of all the controversy of NFL players kneeling down for the anthem and whether it was against the military or for whatever cause it was that they wanted to... No one ever said a cause, right, according to many people on Fox News. Anyway, (laughs) Papa John... (laughs) We need... need, Noon to one, we found it. The Dave Harrigan political hour. (laughs) You remember when Papa John (laughs) criticized the NFL, saying that you not coming down hard on these guys is screwing me out of the pizza business, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not selling enough pies. Their sales were down. Yeah. Well, it's official as of yesterday, reported by Darren Ravel, a joint statement from NFL and Papa John's. The NFL and Papa John's have made a mutual decision to shift from their official league sponsorship to a focus on partnerships with 22 local NFL teams, presence in broadcast and digital media, and key personalities in the sport. The official sponsorship between the NFL and Crappy Pizza is over. But it's also back because Pizza Hut's already the new official pizza well, pizza of the NFL. Didn't they force Papa out, go Papa go, right after that whole thing when he came out and ripped him? Didn't he then no longer, they said, you're out, you're you're not our spokesman? That must not have been enough. They must have said, we still don't want you, Papa yeah. John's. Well, I think Pizza Hut is, uh, is more on the rise at this point. Pizza Hut is offering more than just pizza. They've been stuffing their crust longer than everyone That's else has. That's unless Papa John's c- comes to us for a potential endorsement opportunity, in which case Papa John's is where Maggie you want to go. Maggie and Judd here for Papa Dave, John's. Dave Harrigan for Papa John's. Let me tell you right now, <laughs> what I said two weeks ago, I was mistaken. I, I tried every. I'll endorse a lot of things I believe or I don't believe in. What? <laughs> Listen to sales staff. 
but Papa John's doesn't go that far. You won't go to Papa John's. No. There's a Papa John's right down the street from uh, sorry, me. Sorry, Papa. God love you, but your pizza's terrible. Oh, six beers on a Friday you know night. I got okay. Papa John's rolling right down my street. Where I'm going to disagree with you guys, Papa John's offers two things in the pizza box that I love. Them. The garlic sauce and then the little peppers, like the two or three peppers on the side. Everyone yeah. makes that argument. That's not the pizza. Agreed. I said the pizza is crap. And by the way, okay. nice pun saying Pizza Hut is on the rise. That's a crust pun, my man. It is well a crust done. pun. That's right. After six <laughs> beers on a Friday night, let me make this very clear. The quality of the pizza is not important. <laughs> Something to put in your stomach. I de- agree to disagree, Judd. I also don't have six beers on a Friday night because I would be passed out long before the sixth was Judd's down. just getting warmed up on his way to 12 or 13. That's called the first game of the National Hockey League doubleheader on a Friday night for me. Speaking of the NFL players and kneeling down for the anthem, uh, remember back when uh, Aaron Rodgers was asked about that and his teammates kneeling down, and he said, yeah, I'm going to kneel with those them guys. It's about unity. It's about being part of a cause. and. The whole guy who leads this country, you know, he's coming down on us, so we'll uh, take a stand by kneeling against him. He also, at that time, put on Instagram a little photo of himself and a few of the receivers on the Packers, Jordy, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, just kneeling in uh, in practice gear and, you know, it was the hashtags, unity, brotherhood, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine my surprise when about a week ago, a fellow by the name of T.J. Patrick... Sent out a photo on Twitter showing Aaron and uh, TJ's daughter Danica at Daytona standing for the anthem, hands over hearts, and having a little, uh, 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 whatever you call it, I think the word I'm looking for, caption, that's the one, no kneeling in NASCAR, hand in heart. It's a little early to tick off the potential in-laws if you're Aaron. Wait, so did... So he's saying that there's no kneeling in NASCAR because, like, they're racist they're, or something? Well, or they're that... patriotic. They support the country. They yeah. support right. The point is, yeah. he had the photo of Aaron standing with hand over heart. Hmm. I mean, does he, does he stand for anything? It seems Aaron like a Rogers? potentially awkward discussion at Thanksgiving next year if the relationship makes it that far. Yeah, which I'm banking it won't. Aaron, this might be. I don't think it will. Rogers has kind of a pattern the last few years of once the season starts, it's been a good run. Serial dater. Yeah. I'm with you. Jalen Rose yesterday on Jalen and Jacoby ESPN. I wish NCAA players understood the power that they now have. In a climate of so many things that are changing, so many discussions that have now come to the forefront that have been closeted for so very long, for so a multitude of reasons, I wish NCAA players would exercise that power by boycotting the NCAA tournament. That's a very interesting and controversial statement that I don't think is going to happen. So I'm trying to think of what would the benefit be if you're a player, If you, I guess if this year's crop boycott, the problem is there's too much turnover. So yeah, these guys boycott, and then the next group comes in and says, well, we want to well, play because we want to get to the NBA at some point. And if the if the players boycott, are, do you really think that the NCAA is going to be like, oh, okay, cool, we'll start to pay you now? I actually don't think a boycott's going to be necessary. It seems like they're going to make some changes this spring. Like they're, they they're going to make, The fact that the FBI is investigating I your think, entire system, that puts you on well, edge. Well, I appreciate when a workforce stands up to an organization like this. To me, this is a situation that needs the schools to actually stand up to the NCAA double a as much or more so probably than the than the players themselves yeah well, i think the, this I, I think you need the the schools to be doing this to me i think this is all very simple these 17 and 18 year old stud basketball and football players 
are worth money to various entities. And obviously, they're not able to accept that money above board. So they accept it down here in the muck from agents or from shoe companies or wherever the pipeline leads to. Well, if you could create another way, if if the NBA says or if or if in the NFL you're just not physically ready to play when you're 18, you get you probably have to be 22 years old even just physically to play. And the way the NBA rules work, you got to be at least one year removed from high school. Well, is there some other thing whether it's the G League in the NBA or this long talked about minor league football idea? If there's another way for those kids to make money and get ready for the next step, I think they'll all jump to it. But there's not. Right. Right now, there's not. Now, the Le, well, I, I know Dave has a LeBron cut here, too. But I think LeBron, part of his comments from yesterday were about expanding the G League. So you know what? If these kids want to make money, if we can make the G League a spot where you have to go for at least one year and maybe even up to three or four years if you're just not if you're a Jordan Murphy and you're not good enough your freshman year to play in the NBA, but you might be by the time you're a senior, and then make money doing it, market value money, that makes sense to me. That's what college basketball should do more of. I do have the LeBron cut, and he talked about the NBA being corrupt. I'm not going to play it here because everyone probably heard it yesterday. Here's my question about that LeBron cut. I clicked on my ESPN app on the phone last night and was scrolling through a couple scores. Right at the top, they have that big piece of video, your headline piece of video, and Right out of that, LeBron, colon, NCAA is corrupt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why was that at the top of my news feed without LeBron, NBA is corrupt? And he says that just like everybody else in America. So why is this a headline? Like the fact that he thinks the NCAA is corrupt? Yeah. The, why do yeah. I care? Because, it, because everyone says the NBA is corrupt. That's not news. The NCAA. Or yeah, excuse me, the NCAA. Because, yeah. Well, the NBA might be corrupt. It, we don't know. Because it grabs attention, though. Yeah. Like, you, you might not care. But they're going with the most uh, salacious thing that they could possibly find, right? It's not even salacious. Everyone says, yep. But but if LeBron says it, they think, oh, man, LeBron's saying it as as, opposed to some random guy like me who acknowledges that the NCAA is for sure corrupt. Now, I think it'd be more inflammatory, to Dave's point, if LeBron had said it's not corrupt. (laughs) Like, that would be the – is anyone taking that stance? You know what? This is a perfectly no. structured system, and everyone should yeah. shut up. Yeah, okay. this is working out perfectly. <laughs> even Emmert's not, though. Even Emmert's <laughs> like, yeah, we need to like, we need to work on this. <laughs> like, even Mark Emmert is saying, he's Barney Fife. <laughs> All right, do you want to wrap this up with a little bit of sports jeopardy? Yes, let's Game do it. show Friday on a Wednesday. Sure. Nice. Hands on your buzzers, meaning yell out your names. The category yeah, yesterday. Keep your hand away from my buzzer, okay? Easy. The category was, <laughs> no, no, no. how about those blank? The contestants on Jeopardy got them all right, so I want to see which of you guys can get them faster. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. The Wait, did you just question. yell out the answer? You, well, you got to yell out your name. Your name. Then you do oh, the yeah, answer. come on. Yell out your name when you think you know it. How about those USC Trojans who've won this bowl game 25 times since their first Rachel. That jug got me. Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl is correct. Well done. We'll hit the deal for you. 1948 Cleveland Indians, the only team other than this one to win a World Series from 1947 to 53. Uh, Phil. Phil. The Yankees. Yeah, that is correct. How about those Montreal Amateur Athletic Association fellas who in 1893 became the first to win possession of this? Phil. Phil. Oh, God. Uh, The puck? Stanley Cup. Joe. No, I might be right. Who won the face-off? <laughs> Win possession of the puck is incorrect. Stanley Cup is correct, yeah, Judd. Well done. Let's look at the tape. Who won the first face-off? Two more. <laughs> won the puck. <laughs> the puck. 
The decisiveness Shut was up. impressive I'm until not, you said the I'm puck. not a hockey guy. How about the those? ice, the blue line, did they win the blue line? Montreal Expos, who saw this legendary base stealer and left fielder inducted into the Tim Judd? Tim Raines. Tim Raines is correct. Son of a gun. Oh, you got the win. This is uh, just for uh, well, pride, Phil. How about those Golden State Warriors who in 2015-16 lost nine and won an NBA record this many regular season games? Phil. Phil. The puck. 73. Yeah. Had to do some math there. And they won the basketball, which the is awesome. They won the basketball. Congratulations. Did they win the tip-off? Win. Three to two. That's great. They won possession on a tied-up uh, ball. <laughs> you know, Chris Lindahl, he'll help you win possession of money. That's right. Because he'll help you win more money on the sale of your home, which is exactly what happened a little over a year ago. My experience with the Chris Lindahl team was 10 out of 10, five stars. Uh, just I, I have I have every positive word to say about the experience, the marketing that goes into it, the thought and the detail that go into planning for the sale of your home. Uh, from what just from the details of what your home should look like to the social media and marketing details of creating a competitive environment for your home. So all of the things you get with the number one Remax results team, which is Chris Lindahl, you might get for free. Between now and March 16th, if you register, the Chris Lindahl team is giving away a free listing side commission to one lucky Mackie and Judd listener. All you have to do to enter is go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Or 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. My three words for this, baffling, embarrassing, and infuriating. Yeah. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Congratulations to the Wild on scoring eight goals last night and a win over the Blues. But do you know when eight goals really would have helped against St. Louis? I will tell you. The answer is this. In the playoffs. Last year, this same group of dogs scored eight goals in five full games while getting knocked out of the first round. Remember that? Eight goals in a game is great, but find some consistency, you clowns. Is the bot ever happy? No, I, <laughs> I don't know the bot that well, but he doesn't sound like he's ever really, really satisfied with it. Well, anything. the bot seems to know you pretty well. well. You know the bot better than you think. The Judbot 3000 digs deep into your soul and says what you really want to say. And maybe don't have the guts to say. As the foremost hockey expert in the state, this is very difficult for me to say. <laughs> but, like my college and human counterpart Judd, I, Judd Bot, may have misjudged Eric Stahl. It's possible that bringing him to Minnesota may have been less dumb than I initially thought. After 33 goals and a hat-trick last night, perhaps there is still a little left in the tank. But I am not ready to concede my position just yet. The jury is still out. Still out. Eric Stahl. You get hit by a bus today and would still have an unbelievable season of 33 goals. Come on, Judbot. 33 goals. I think he had 28, 29 last year. I, I think it's time to concede the position that that was a good sign. I mean, he's in year he's in year two of a three-year contract. I think it's time to concede that one. Yeah, he... Uh, I think we're going to have to go along with the fact that that was... I thought he was cooked, but man, he's been good. Uh, he now so so that was that was his thirty third goal of the of the season. Yeah, I think he's tied for fourth in the league with Kucherov of the uh, Lightning now in goal scoring. Yeah, I'm pulling up the list right here on on Hockey Reference. So uh, Ovechkin, who always leads the league in goals, has thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malkin has thirty six, and then uh, our friend Bill Carlson from Vegas with thirty four. Columbus just gave away in the expansion draft. Yeah, Kucherov and and Stahl each have thirty three. 
And then there's a bunch of guys who have 30-31s. But he, I mean, the, the, he's knocking on the door of leading the league in goals this season. Kucherov has, four, has uh, 60, let me see here, 82 points this season, 49 assists as well. Why is yeah, it that Kucherov's hockey gives nice. credit for a second assist? Don't you think that's kind of weird? Uh, in Europe, I believe they have three. So basically, if you Europe, like, they give out uh, third assists. If you corralled the puck yeah. in your own zone and then flung it to somebody who flung it to somebody, yeah, like if the goaltender flung it to somebody, yeah, if the goaltender makes a, if the goaltender makes an outlet pass to the defenseman, the defenseman makes pass to a forward, and the forward passes to a fellow forward, and they score. Yeah. I think I think they give three assists. Yeah, I just think it's funny that you all like to night, get points out in hockey, Phil. Well, on the broadcast last night on uh, national TV, they kept touting the twenty six total points in the last three games by the stall line. Yep. Well, can't you just tell me how many goals? Of course there's going to be. You're bloating that number by including the secondary oh, assists. All, all the points. It'd be like in basketball. Man, the Carl Anthony Towns lineup. Yeah. They had 95 points when you count the rebounds and the assists, too. It's crazy. It's 11 in three games, by the way. Goals. 11 so that's goals, more impressive to me than the 26 in points. in games, including, including six last night. And they were on the ice, uh, power play and even strength for seven of, of the eight goals. Here's what you were robbed of last night. You were robbed of a LaPanta Fox Sports North eight-goal deluge is what you were robbed of. Can you imagine what that would have sounded like on the eighth? LaPanta might have jumped out of the press box. His voice might have been gone by that point, right? He might have sacrificed himself. All the... He scored! He just jumps out of the press box. Stall the rebound. He scores! Stall! He's right in! John Forsland. Need a little more there. Need a little that's more. That's not. There. Yeah. That, well, that, that's the more objective. I'm going to sound excited, yeah. but I'm. But I am calling this game nationally, and therefore I don't want the Blues fans to hate me. I need a little bit oh, more there. By the way, they they had a between the second and third period last night. They do this thing where they show a celebrity on the scoreboard, and they, they've got two contestants who have to go back and forth guessing the names. And they showed Joe Buck at one point. I'm not kidding you guys. The place erupted hmm. in booze. We still hate Joe Buck that much. Why? I mean, it's between periods. It's, it's between periods, so people aren't really even paying attention that much, and we still boot him. So we hate Joe Buck, A.J. Pruszynski, yes. who, by the way, was a great player when he was here and was traded for the biggest haul in Twins history. Boo! And got you and got so Mauer catching. That's why we hate him. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands, like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home. Or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.